And before we get into it, hey, can I shout out? I got to shout out one more person. Uh, it is Susie Neds. She has returned. And we love you, Susie. You know, we sent Susie out a couple months ago, not sure if she would ever return, you know. Go into that black hole that NASA just found, but she returned, and uh, she's stationed here in Seattle, so we are pumped about that. And uh, Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and we are going to read in verse 12. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've already obeyed, or as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue. Everyone say continue. A little bit louder. Say continue. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, God is the one who gives you the ability to walk in his will for your life. Make no mistake, when you follow God and you're doing real good, do not for a second give yourself credit. Because it is the Holy Spirit at work on the inside of you, empowering you to do what you're called to do. Now, does that mean you just leave it up to him to animate your arms and your legs and your mouth and your, your mind? No. You partner with God. As you step out, he, he, he enables you and he empowers you to do what he's called you to do. You with me? Okay. Do everything, therefore, do everything without grumbling or arguing, verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them, people, the world, like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I'll stop there. Then you will shine like stars in the sky. Uh, I want to speak for the next few minutes on the idea of Shine like stars, or if you want a more clever, clever title, you can title this message, Stars Don't Twinkle. Stars Don't Twinkle. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we pray that as we, as we hear it for the next few minutes tonight, God, that um, you would open every single heart in this place. God, we want to be the kind of people who... We understand, God, that we come here with various issues and struggles and successes and mistakes, and we, we come in here with all sorts of baggage and, and dreams and hopes for our future. We understand, God, that we're not perfect, but we need you, God, each and every one of us. So would you draw us forward? God, would you draw each and every one of us maybe just one step forward? We don't need to be perfect, but, God, we want to come near to you. We thank you, God, that we're going to leave different than when we came. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Yes. Come on, everyone said? Yes. There we go. Um, I, I, I have two kids now, so every illustration that I will ever tell again is going to have some sort of involvement with my kids. But I now have an, a, an increased awareness of children's songs. You know what I mean? And I I think, I don't know, here's what baffles me, is no one in the world really knows the history of the children's songs. Like, who made up ABC? Like the ABC song? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. How I wonder what you are. 
Like, that's the thing, is all of these songs, they mince, like, they, they, they trade melodies, and it's, it's the worst. But we have this toy that our friends gave to us, not realizing that it was actually a curse. They gave Hayden this little vacuum, and there's different tiers of songs. And there's this, there's this one song on it called the ABC song, but it's a different melody. And it goes like this, A, B, C, Wait, it's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, like, and it is the most confusing thing I've, and I, every time I, I hear it, I just kick the vacuum, hoping that this kick will eventually just destroy this vacuum, but Hayden and now Jude, being a year old almost, he loves this toy, they play with it, they love it, but it is the worst toy ever, but I, 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 all of these songs, they, they frustrate me because at, the, at times, not only are the songs annoying and repetitive and they just get on your nerves, especially when your kid is sick and you watch an entire week of baby genius for hours on end and you want to die and it's the only thing that will soothe them, just reliving some of the torturous memories we had in the last couple of years. Having kids is great, I promise. So... Because you're all here, and you're okay. Anyway, so, uh, but I, I, not only are these songs annoying at times, but there are times where these songs perpetuate false realities. Think about it. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I don't know who had the idea to call a star little, but stars are the biggest things ever. They're really big. Did you know that? Did you know that stars are actually like hundreds, if not thousands of miles away? No one got the reference, but it's okay. Stars are literally trillions of miles away. Trillions and trillions of miles away. In fact, stars are so far away that anything that we see, the light that we see, is actually a star having burned many years ago and we are now seeing that light having traveled through light years and light years and light years of time to get to us. And by the time we see it, that star is no longer in existence. And they're so huge. They are, they are multiple times the size of the sun. The sun is considered a small star, which is multiple times the size of the world. And the world is a large planet. So when they sing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, they're lying. Stars are not little. But the other thing that frustrates me is when you sing, how I wonder what you are. But you just told it what it is. It's a star. And, you know, I, I, and you may not say, like, what, Taylor, what are you even talking about? This is what I deal with. I have two kids. These are the things that I contemplate in the night when I can't sleep. Why do we talk to stars as if we don't know what they are, and then we tell them that they are little? No wonder they explode because they are so frustrated that we misunderstand what they are. We're looking at them. They're like, I'm not little. I'm real big, dude. I'm so big that I'm really far away, and you can still see me. How do you mean that I'm small? I'm not small. I'm huge. I've been trying to tell people that for a long time. I mean, I'm no Ethan Morgan. I don't have arms like a giant Thor, 
but I'm, I'm a big dude. I've got some muscle. I got some dad strength. So I get frustrated when people tell me I'm small. But, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. But the interesting thing is those words, twinkle, twinkle. And I was reading up on stars. And actually the truth is, stars don't twinkle. Did you know that? Stars do not actually twinkle. Stars, if we were to see them up close and witness them with a better telescope or be able to just see them at a closer view, we would understand that stars are these large, large planets, in in a sense, balls of flaming gas and and all sorts of random crap that I don't understand because I've never been to one, maybe someday, but... They're these huge masses, and they, they burn. They don't twinkle. They don't, they don't twinkle. But what happens is the stars, being as far away as they are, they are out beyond our atmosphere, out into outer space, galaxies away. They are so far away that we're only seeing what is eventually the reflection or the repetitive uh, image of them having traveled through space-time and gotten to us when they're already dead, what it is is the twinkle comes when the light that has traveled over time breaks its way through the Earth's atmosphere. And in the Earth's atmosphere, it's an invisible yet heavy layer of mass. And so what happens is the light travels through the mass, and if there's clearness, meaning the clouds are gone, the mass is still there, the The atmosphere is still there, but the light has to travel through it. And so when we are seeing a star twinkle, what we're actually seeing is a reflection of the light of the star having traveled through the atmosphere and making its way onto us, where we can now look up to a star and say, twinkle, twinkle, you large star, I know exactly what you are. I think we should change the lyrics. Twinkle, twinkle, large star, I know exactly what you are. Is anyone in faith? Okay. But essentially, the twinkle that we see in the star, listen, listen, this is why I want you to write it down. The twinkle is the after effect. The twinkle of the star is the reflection of the light that it already had, having traveled through time, traveled through process, and making its way to now where others see the light that was once there. Can I tell you, this is the parallel. This is what I want you to understand. This is why what you do today, what you do on earth, what you do in conversation, what you do when you're at school, what you do when you're at work, what you do when you're with friends, what you do when you're around people who you don't like, what you do matters. Why? Because it's not your light that is seen right now that really matters. It's that that light now travels through atmosphere and is meant to get to somebody else. But if you're not careful, the atmosphere that you'll create with your attitude and with your actions will actually, instead of reflecting light onto others, it will dispel and turn around the light and send it back, meaning the star burned and exploded for no reason. And if we're not careful, the way that we live starts to dissolve and turn away the light that was meant to bounce off of us, off of our attitudes, off of our actions, and make its way onto other people. 
See, the atmosphere is our attitudes. The atmosphere that you create is your words. The atmosphere that you create is what you say to others. It's how you say it. It's the way you treat your parents. It's the way that you, uh, that your integrity, it's your character. It's all of these things because what it does is it creates an environment for light to now travel through, and the more it travels and the more it reflects, if there's clarity, the clouds are gone. There's so many parallels here. But the more that it travels through, the more it is able to now twinkle and be reflected onto the people who want to now look up and see the star. My question for you is what is the atmosphere that you're creating? What is the atmosphere that you're creating? And for all of us, it's different things, isn't it? It's our attitudes. I think this is a big one. It's our perspective. It's the things that we say when we're afraid. It's the things that we say when we talk about others. It's our respect. It's our honor. It's our disrespect. It's our dishonor. Because everything that you do, this is what you need to know, everything that you do creates an atmosphere. Everything you do creates an atmosphere. But if you and I aren't careful, we will create an atmosphere that is not conducive for light to travel through it. And the goal is that light would travel through our atmosphere. And because of the atmosphere that we create, it now magnifies the light. And the light that looked like this little kid, twinkle, twinkle, little star, whoa, twinkle, twinkle, big star. Because of how much light we are reflecting. Are you getting my point here? If we're not careful, we create an atmosphere that now dissolves the light and the whole point of the star. Here's a, here's a mind-blowing picture, is God created stars for no other purpose than for it to be reflected so that we could see it. Is that crazy or what? The fact that God created everything in existence, because remember from a few weeks ago, you and I, human beings, are the only things recreated in the image of God and in the likeness of God to experience and live out what God does. So meaning, everything that he creates, and I'm not trying to say that the world revolves around you, but everything he created was for the joy and the function and the purpose of human beings that they might walk in it and then continue to reflect the creative image of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? So God creating you and I to reflect his image and then creating planets and the stars and the moon and the sun and atmosphere and outer space where Star Wars lives. I'm convinced it's there. It really is. This is just an alternative universe. So it's a movie for us, but it's reality for someone else. Maybe. I'm just out there saying it. That would be really cool, though. That would be really cool if Star Wars, like that whole, okay, anyways. I'm not that big of a nerd. I just think it would be really cool. Okay. In, interstellar. What, okay. So, but God created that. For the sole purpose that its light would travel through time so that someday we would be able to see just a glimpse of the light that could be. As if to parallel the things that we do now. You've heard it said that what you do now in time echoes in eternity. As if to say that everything that you and I do now in every conversation, ooh, it's a big one. In every moment, in every text message, in every DM that nobody else sees. In every post, in every pissy attitude, in every moment of gratitude and gratefulness and thanksgiving, in every moment of worship, what it's doing is it is creating an atmosphere that will either push away or now create space for light to travel through. How many of you want to create an atmosphere that light travels through and reflects onto others? Come on. Come on. Does anyone want to create an atmosphere in your life that light travels through? This is what God has called us to do. 
But if we're not careful, we will do things like this scripture says. And there's so many things to dive into, but we will do things. I want to give you a couple points and we're going to worship. But there are a couple things that we can do that will create an atmosphere that now dissolves the light and pushes it back as opposed to reflecting it. Number one is griping and complaining. The worst thing that you can do is be that kind of person who does all the right things with the bad attitude. You ever known someone like, like, you ever been that? Your dad asked you to do something? And you're like, fine, dad, I hate you. And the whole time you're, you're, you're like, now you're pulling the weeds, but you're angry at the weeds. You're angry at, like, you're picturing your dad's face in the weed. And every time you pull, like, I'm pulling your head off your body because I'm not pulling it off at the roots because I don't want to dig it up. So I'm just pulling, I'm, it's a, and stuff, I'm pulling your head off of your body, every weed. No, no one else? It was just, Okay. I've been healed, my, I love my dad, I'm, <laughs> but what we do, what is that? I'm doing what my dad asked me to do, but I'm doing it with the wrong attitude. This is what it says, do everything without griping and complaining and arguing so that you can hold out the word of life and shine like stars, as if to say that when you gripe, when you whine like a little wuss, as if your life is really that hard, when you say, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. My life is so tough. What you're doing is you're now creating an atmosphere that makes it really hard for the light to travel through. You're not getting Every time you do the right or the wrong thing and your attitude now is complaining about it, you are eliminating God's ability to send light through you and use you and walk you into your purpose. And so we wonder why we feel the reeling effects of our bad attitude and all these kinds of things. And we're walking around just like, oh man, my life is so tough. And our mentality is what really is causing that. Because we, instead of doing the right thing and choosing, because it's a choice. A lot of people want every system and everything and everyone else's structure and everyone else's choices to be perfect. And when it is, then I'll do what I'm supposed to do. And they wonder why they are never content. Why? Because your attitude is a choice. And it's so easy for us to be the kind of people who, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to respect my elders because I have to. That's not respect. That's actually dishonor. And what you're doing is you're fulfilling the scripture that says, eat and drink, but your hearts are far from me. You're doing what you're supposed to do, but your heart is removed from God. And so if we're not careful... We'll do all the right things. And in reality, we're now dishonoring God and we're pushing away the light. And it has no ability to get through our atmosphere and make its way to the place it was designed to go, which is to others. Are you tracking with me? So complaining. You gotta stop complaining. Raise your hand if you've complained at something this week. So we all struggle, hello, so why don't we just start to say, okay, next time I want to complain, I'm going to pause myself, and I'm going to say, God, I don't feel happy about my dad right now, but I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to pretend to be happy at least, and if I need to go like punch the cement for a second, get my rage out, and then go back, I don't, I don't know what you need to do, but here's what we got to do. 
We have to choose the right kind of attitude because as we choose the attitude, guess what? It creates space for the light to flow through. Once the light starts flowing through, we see the light flowing through. We're like, I want more of that light to flow through me. So I'm going to create more space because then more light will flow through me. And then I'm going to create more space. And then more light will flow through me. And as we create more space, more light begins to flow. Are you tracking with me? Number two. The number two thing that will, conti- uh, that will kill your light is division and arguing. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure and shine like stars. The number one weapon of Satan, who is real, who does hate you, and his, his way, I was thinking about it, there's a way of Jesus, you, have, you know, there's a way of following Jesus, Christianity is a way. You know that, that just the same as God has a plan for you and there's a way, the enemy has a way for you and a plan for you too. And his plan is division. So what he'll do is he'll sniff out moments where God's moving. He'll sniff out moments where we're on the precipice of renewal and revival and God, God working in ways that he never has in Covington and Maple Valley and Auburn and Kent. God knows we need it in our area, don't we? And so, God's, so the enemy senses it, and he says, all I need to do is get those two girls arguing about stuff that doesn't even matter, because then it's going to spread, and I'll just sit back and watch the division do its thing. The, the enemy will leave. In fact, he'll leave, and he'll watch eating popcorn like Thanos did when he woke up and watched the world <laughs> die. So what he does, that was good, that just came to me, that was good. But here's what he does, is he sends division like a seed, and that seed begins to take root. So here's what you can know. Are you at odds with anyone? Is anyone not in this room tonight because you're here? Is anyone on the other side of the room because you're on your side of the room? Did you used to be friends with somebody, but you're not anymore because all of this stuff got in between you? Can I tell you, that was the enemy sniffing out that God had something better for you. And so all he did was he sowed a seed into your life so you could just allow it to take root. And he stepped back and he watched it unfold in your life. Here's the encouraging side of it, is if you've got division, if you've got up between you and somebody else, if you're arguing if you have all of these struggles, can I tell you, it's the, it's the enemy's way of telling you, I sniff something in you. And it's God saying, hey, if you'll overcome this division, if you will push this out, this is actually, you're on the precipice of me doing something that you've never seen me do in your life. Maybe God has the biggest revival and growth for our church for our youth ministry, for the, for the church in our community, for the people of God in our community, for your family, for your friends who don't know God. Maybe God wants to do something. And so the enemy sniffs it out and he's gonna plant those seeds. So if you got division, you got arguments, you got issues, guess what? God wants to do something. But you've gotta get rid of that arguing. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to be the bigger person and do what, you had someone who wronged you and you go apologize anyways. Hey, I'm sorry for my part to play in this. I want you to forgive me. See, I want to go on a tangent because we are not committed enough to the people in our world today. And I don't mean the people out there, I mean the people right next to us. There's a special place for the people of God 
amongst the people of God. God has called us first to the people of God before he's called us to others because he knows that when we are unified, that we are unstoppable on this earth. But when we're divided, we can go as far as we want trying to reach people and we won't get one because they will come in and they will see division. They will either get divided themselves or run the other way because they don't want any part in it. So, maybe what you need to do is you need to go repent to God. And then to that person. You need to seek restoration. You may feel like, I was talking to someone just the other day. Yeah, I don't want to be their friend anymore because they, and I said, you need to be more committed to your friend. You guys have been friends too long. You've been through too many things together for you to just give up on this because of some arguments. What could it say about you and about God if you were to allow him to work in you and begin to see restoration in your friendship? And over time, you can say, we used to not be good, but God did something in my heart, and he opened me up, and he made me right, and he made me open, and he made me willing. And as we worked this process, it wasn't easy, but we're committed to each other because we don't want the enemy to destroy what God wants to do in our lives. Some of you got some friends you need to be more committed to. Who cares if they wronged you? Go forgive them. It's what Jesus did for you. So number, uh, I don't have any other numbers. I'm going to invite the van to come forward. I do, I do, but I'm not going to share them, okay? But let me give you two quick things as the bands come forward. Two things that reflect or that will magnify light. Two light magnifiers. Write these down. Number one is godly character. Write this down. What will magnify light is godly character. Godly character, he says, it says, do everything without grumbling or, or arguing so that you may, come, may become blameless and pure. You know what that word blameless in the Greek means? It means to give the accuser no material. What your character does is it takes away the weapon of the enemy. When you have godly character and you allow God to shape how you see life and how you treat others, how you see yourself and how you act and how you live and your perspective and all those things, which is his role in your life, when you allow God to do that and he shapes your character and who you are, then what it starts to do is it takes away the material that the enemy used to have. You know what the enemy says? Is he grabs onto all of your old self and all of your issues and all your mistakes and he just keeps picking them up and throwing them at you. Remember when you made that mistake? Remember who you used to be? Remember what you used to do? He just tosses them at you. But when you allow God's character to shape you, what it does is it removes those, those, those things that the enemy would pick up and it, and it gets rid of them. So now the enemy no longer has any ammo to throw at you. And here's the thing, because you might be saying, well, I got a lot of stuff in my past. This is the beauty of God and he's, his redemptive work on the inside of you. The Bible says that he who the Son sets free is now free indeed. It says that if you are in Christ, you are no, no longer the old creation, you are a new creation. All things that are old, they're gone and all things now have been made new. So if you're in Christ, guess what? You now have the mind of Christ, 
now have a new DNA. You now have a new spirit. You're being regenerated from the inside out. So now what we do is we just allow God to continue to shape us. God, make me new. God, cleanse my eyes. God, cleanse my mind. The way that I talk to people, God, I'm still working on it. God, when, when I do it, would you remind me? And what we're doing is we're saying, okay, I don't want to give the enemy any more material, and I'm going to allow God to shape me. And when there is an issue, I'm going to drop that ball on the ground. I'm going to say, God, I'm giving you permission to get rid of that ball so that the enemy has nothing to throw at me. It's the best thing that will magnify life is when you allow God to shape you, God to shape your motives, and shape your character, and shape your perspective, and shape the way that you see people. We need more of that, don't we? Isn't it funny that the first thing that comes to our mind about people we don't like is the thing that we don't like about them? And we think we have the mind of Christ. We do, but we're allowing the, the perspective of the enemy to now shape how we see that person, forgetting that God has given us a new perspective. So what I'm saying is allow God now to reshape and reframe the way you see people, the way you talk, the way you treat others, the way you, the way you think. And when you're not there, say, God, I'm off. My motive's bad here. I've been slipping in this area. But God, thank you for your grace. Would you make me right and make me new? And he says, yes, I already did 2,000 years ago. You are brand new. Now get up and keep walking. Keep doing what I've called you to do. Come on, are you thankful that God has made you and me new because of Jesus? It's incredible. And when we understand this and allow him to shape our character, it changes the game because now light has permission and space to travel through our atmosphere and make it onto the people that God has called us to serve. The other thing that reflects light is authenticity. So that you may become blameless and pure. Pure meaning without blemish. The thing that I love, like I just said, about God is that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. He wipes all of the old things. It says, though, though our sins were red like crimson, he's made us white of snow, as snow. He's, he's taken all of our sins and all of our mistakes and all of our failures, and he's tossed them into a sea of forgetfulness. Meaning, when God sees you, he sees you brand new. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your issues. He doesn't see your struggles. He doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your imperfections. He simply sees Jesus and his perfect sacrifice for you and the resurrection life on the inside of you. Meaning, when he sees you, he sees you exactly as he created you to be. Come on, are you thankful for that? I think we ought to shout and thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and who he's made us to be. Would you stand all over this place with me?